Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Hey, everybody. Spike's Car Radio. Welcome. Welcome to the show. It's good to be back behind the microphone. I'm back from my uh, very big European vacation, Zuckerman. Uh, Lago de Como, the Villa Dest trip uh, from the watch company Elanga Unson. Um, I, I can't say uh, uh, enough good things about what this trip was like. You know, when I when I I think it was Ben Clymer from Houdinki who uh, recommended me and uh, told me that this was. Uh, it's hard to believe that this is real when you're there. This whole event, not just the car show, but the events around the car show, the Riva boats, the vintage cars, the hotels, the food. And he was right. It was like a dream sequence. This is a dream vacation that I never thought I would take, and I didn't know it till I would get there. Everywhere you looked was beauty. Everywhere you looked was cars, these rare old cars. They limited the show to 50. And just to give you like an idea of a day, right? You show up there. The CEO of uh, Elange and Son is there. They, they give you watches to wear for the weekend, twenty and $30,000 beautiful watches that you immediately fall in love with. You look outside. There's a there's a the fleet of these vintage cars to take up and down the the lakeside. Well, whenever you like, and I, and I hop in a 1952 Fiat Ermini Sport 1100. Something yeah. I didn't know anything about. I'm like, oh, I've got to get one of these. They go, no, there's only three. So I'm guessing this is a very valuable car. The Ermine. The Ur, the Ermine. <laughs> but it's you know it's 52 Fiat. So. Gas, right? The first thing you know is just a gas smell coming off the engine. It's about 75. It's humid. And I'm just racing up in Italian traffic. Buses coming at us, roads that narrow to fit one car. And I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven, Zuckerman. And then I'm in a, then I'm in a Riva boat. An, uh, I don't even remember the name of it. But this Riva boat on this beautiful lake. And I'm looking, and I'm looking at the guy driving the boat, right? The Italian guy driving the boat, and he's got not like America, right? Who you would imagine be driving this boat not in, in Florida? Not a slob. He's got some nice trousers on. He's got a white polo, and he's got a blue bomber jacket. Okay, no shoes. Won't let anybody wear shoes or socks in the boat, which I love. And I'm looking at the dash of this boat, and it's perfection. Been in the family for fifty years. Patinated perfection. Every knob is yellowed, but none of them are nicked up. And even his little Riva flag is is like that perfect pair of worn-in jeans. And I just like the pride this guy had in his boat. Anyway, thank you, Elanga and Son, for giving myself and my wife one of the greatest weekends. I don't think this could be eclipsed as far as a car and watch guy weekend. So does it make Pebble Beach talk shit? Uh, it, it does... In a, in a different way, it does. This is a, It's a smaller event over a couple of days. This one ends in a, a, bunch of, uh, a bunch of people in tuxedos, a black tie dinner. I don't, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw that that's when the rain came and swamped two of the winning cars, an old Bugatti and uh, Alex Finnegan's uh, Ferrari. Ferrari. He just restored 335, which won the big event. We're all inside. Nobody noticed it was raining cats and dogs. And I mean, like, this, this is not rain I've seen before. And nobody's got the top on. So then there are guys in tuxedos desperately trying to put the top on while other swells are smoking cigars and cigarettes and laughing and shooting it. And I was swells. One of those. Lots of swells, Zuckerman. Lots of swells. Were you out of place? Did you belong there? No, because we had – everybody was so welcoming. But there were journalists there. 
I was uh, in my party for the watch company. We had uh, Alan uh, Decadene, the famous race car driver, and his wife. I had my wife there. There were customers of Alanga and Son. There were journalists and photographers. I, I loved it. I loved every second of it. Over Zuckerman. the top. And, Over. and it was just we were scheduled out from morning to night. If something. You- if you wanted to go there on your own, what would you do? It would never be as good as what we did, but that's because of the watch company. What you do is you check in in one of the hotels, and you have the greatest weekend of your life. It's that, it's that weekend where you wear your most insane loafers and shirts. It's a very stylish, incredible thing that is not like Pebble Beach where you're driving around from event to event in traffic, and it's, you know, this is just wonderful it's a, I, I don't know how else to describe it but you have to see it once in your life and the italians pull it off it, yeah it's the hotels that really pull it off the italians make it wonderful like i said to eric it's like you know not to denigrate the united states but every little place that we stop like the riva boat guy or the souvenir lady of which there's just one near our hotel that's their life and they took great pride in what they did every little food seller this is what it take great there were no minimum wage employees just you know as my shift over type attitudes and and that Bleeds into the whole event. I, I mean, aside from the incredible scenery in Lago de Como, in Lake Como, which I had never been there. You know, when we stayed a few days in, in Milan, which was very urban and had a nice time, and we came out there, I've never seen a place like this. And it's not completely destroyed by tourism yet. And, I, and I'm sure I'm contributing to that right now by making a lot yeah. of you go. But I get why Clooney's there. I get why anybody would be there. It's very removed. There's several large lakes up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I, after I took the bar exam, I sent a motorcycle over to Europe. This was in 1991, and I drove all through Europe, including uh, through Lake Como, Lake Garda, that area. And in the 91, pre-internet, very sleepy, very, very uh, removed. And I'm sure they have a season there. It's, they have a season three or four months, and then it goes into hibernation. Right. Well, I think it does rain there a lot. We just happened to catch that perfect week. You know, and I don't know. I just said to Erica, and, and she throws events for our schools and political events, and obviously I'm a producer. So I, I don't – it went off without a hitch what Elonga and Sonia did. And I, I don't think I'll do, ever do anything as great as that weekend. Really? It was that good straight through because think about it. The cars, that, that Stradale. The food, the Italian food. I mean, everything was perfection. The winner was a lancia, right? The lancia, was that the Stradale you're talking about? What was that? Uh, that was a lancia, very long. That pre-war. was the Bertone concept car, right? And that one is No, no, class. no. I'm talking the pre war car. It was, it, you, that it that was, was it, not you, the big winner. The big winner was the Ferrari 335, that new restoration by Paul Russell that got rained on. Right before it won. The luck so, of the Irishman. The, it was incredible. Poor it was Finnegan. an incredible car. Um, it was up against it was up against those other five cars. Now I was talking about the uh, Alfa Romeo Tipo thirty three Stradale, oh, the one yeah, that's, that's all over the internet. That wow, that, that thing, thing is ridiculous. Yeah, Amazing. That's a Dino on steroids. It's just the greatest right. looking thing you've ever seen. But uh, but Zuckerman, 
pick, by the way, pick any card, in any your, of the 50, pick any of the 50, and you go, well, there's In the your one. Instagram story, there was a pre-war, streamlined, modern car that I believe was a pre-war launch it that had a guy that looked like he was wearing a toupee yes. with a sour-looking woman. <laughs> Those are the swells. The swells. <laughs> she did not look happy, but that was a fabulous car, and I laughed at seeing those two. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy an Elanga and Sone watch now. And not because I feel indebted to them, but because I really was sold on their watch philosophy. First of all, they're, they're, they're the Germans. They're the German watchmakers. I love the story of Walter Lang, who at age 66 decides he's not through. Germany has just been unified again. And he says, let's breathe some life into this brand. And he gives birth to this new phase of this company and makes these beautiful watches that are about, you know, we, I was talking to, to Wilhelm, the CEO, saying, you know, Ferrari's yeah, an yeah. emotional brand and uh, Porsche's a, an engineering brand. What is, uh, what is Langa? And he was like, these are, these are classic uh, watches that are upscale without, without showing or trying to say I have too much wealth Ooh. on the front. And on the bottom, you have this movement that's just for you, which you do find when you take this watch off and you stare at it. And it, you know, and, and I, I was saying to you guys, this is a watch that made me feel like a gentleman because I'm not. <laughs> it, it You're an that, imposter. I'm an imposter. Exactly. So imposter it became syndrome. a very critical part of my suit. When I had a tie on and I put this on, I felt like, all right, at least I won't. But you, you continue to make the same mistake over and over and over again, which is they handed you this 20 $30,000 watch <laughs> and you fucking gave it back. I don't understand. I did. Why didn't you because get on I the loved plane? everybody from the company so right. much and I would never, everybody, the whole staff was oh, so much fun. Harrison, so I much fun. I You're can't right. believe it. By the way, uh, just a quick mention to you uh, Hodinki, the watch blog, is selling a limited edition, maybe it's not limited actually, a new Octavia Orange Boy. You missed out on the Sifrit. I just read today that they're going to be selling the Orange Boy, which is uh, based on another old Octavia. I have one of the original ones. You should get this watch. I want you, after we're done here, to go on Hodinkee and do the pre-order. It's a beautiful, beautiful watch. And that way you won't feel so bad when you see me and Jerry with our Sifrits. I want to steal a watch. (laughs) That's what I want to do. I want to rip a watch off, and then I'll feel I want to wear it. I don't know if you're... I haven't really caught – I'm trying to catch up to everything. But I read on the way over here – I had two things that happened to me on the way over. Both have got me a little upset. One, I read that Trump is going to try to stop German import cars from being shipped to the United States. <laughs> it's like no more Porsches, no we're, more Mercedes. We're in a non-political show. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll bite my tongue. I don't even know what to say. What is say. that story? It's like kicking your best friend in the nuts saying, I don't like you anymore. I haven't been paying attention to him really at all, but now I am. I, I can't have the guy ban Porsches. You know what it is? It's like me saying to you, you know those cars we own together? They're in my garage and yeah. I've, changed the, I've changed the code. Fuck you. Yeah. You don't get any, you don't no. get to drive any. No. And and the most pressing story of the moment and um has to do with Gordon Ramsay. Do you remember a year ago Gordon Ramsay's agent, who is my agent, one of my agents at CAA, called and said, Gordon's looking for a GT2 RS. And he said, uh, could you help him with that? And I said, I will. I will give you some of my time to find one of these cars if Gordon comes on the podcast and talks cars with us for an hour. Done. Gordon agreed. Hans said it would happen. Cut to right now. There has been uh, – we were we were talking to him last summer, and then the dates didn't work out. He was here. And they said, don't worry. He'll be in touch. Now Dean is texting me on the drive over, hey, uh, Gordon's car is here. His GT2 RS has been delivered. By the way, before yours and mine, 
by the way. By the way. By the way. And I don't recall hearing him on the podcast. Was he on the podcast? And I said, no, he wasn't. And, I'm, and, and I just texted Hans. I said, look, I'm about to go on a rant, a, a Gordon Ramsay rant, a welching on this deal rant. In fact, he's taking delivery tomorrow of the car, and, and, and you know, we could call Dean up right now and say, don't give him the car. <laughs> but what's, what do I do here? I'm, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's busy, but doesn't it – it seems like he, he played a little I game. I think and- that we have to go to Auto Gallery in 60-minute style, <laughs> chase him across the parking lot. <laughs> Mr. Ramsey, Mr. Ramsey, you're Welcher. You're Welcher. How come you didn't go on the podcast? That's such a good idea. Yes. Well, he's going there tomorrow. Unfortunately, I'm going on Jay Leno's show tomorrow, so I can't okay, do it. So However, Will, <laughs> what are you, are you all healed up? Are you ready to run? That Will, our producer. <laughs> Running is out for a little while. I'm going to elliptical. Slowly. I have one important piece of news. What do you, you got? All right. Well, in any case, that needs to be resolved. I don't want to activate everybody against Gordon Ramsay yet. Yet. Okay. Yet. So don't don't give him a lot of shit on his Instagram or any of his other social media yet. Yet. But uh, uh, after this, I'm going to push CAA pretty hard to get some clarity on this him. situation. We, and I want him in here. I want to yell at him. He's got incre- an incredible collection. He's got two lot Ferraris. I mean, I, I, yeah. He's got something to say. He's yeah. got something to say. All right. What do you have to say? And then we have to bring in our guest. We have a, we have a, a guest from Podcast One here, Todd Garner. Who has a podcast called The Producer's Guide? It'll be coming in in one minute. Um, and we're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about entertainment. But, Zuckerman, give me what you got quickly. Sticky boogers. The sticky what? boogers. <laughs> They're called glue dots. <laughs> you, you get them from Office Depot. Okay, so if you've been listening to this podcast, how many shows ago did we talk about this? I four or five and ten. <laughs> but I needed those sticky boogers that you, the, the, the little gift cards come in, in yes. the magazine, and, and we couldn't find those. And I really need those for a little rattle in my 1M. And finally, one of my staff people discovered that those sticky boogers are called glue dots. And, and what do you need them for in the 1M? There is a little light lens that rattles, and and every so often it vibrates off and uh-huh. falls into my lap. And with a little sticky booger in the corner, it's going to seat in there perfectly. Yeah, I like that. Yes. You're going to start fixing stuff on your own. This and, is important. And I'm going to give you, because you're my friend, and I'm not tromping the Germans, I'm going to give you some <laughs> sticky boogers. I'm not <laughs> going to I'm not going to boycott you or, or impose a tariff upon you for, my, for sharing sticky boogers. What is this car you want me to drive after the podcast? It is an E30 M3, a 1988 M3. Right. And as you know, BMW guys drive their cars, unlike, say, Porsche, Ferrari. And, and this car only has 8,000 miles on it. It's in, it's in a brand-new 1988 M3. You think and, I'm going to like this? Yes, and it, because you will understand – that at that t- you have to understand where the rewards are in that car. It is not a car that rewards you all over the range in the band. Okay. You have to get the car into the right RPM for it to come on cam, for the power, for the horsepower and torque to be on delivery, and to feel the handling of the car. Wow, it will I'm not excited. reward you when stop and go traffic. It right. will reward you <clears throat> at 4,000 RPM, spirited driving on Sunset Boulevard. And you will go, holy <laughs> shit, this is amazing. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I, can I take my kids to school on it? Is there yeah, enough room course, in the back? Yeah, just make sure that they're 30 feet and not 30. No, they don't. They're not before school. Usually everything's fine. There's just a lot of SPF on their arms and hands. 
Mm. <laughs> you have a team of guys. And then I want to get, get back in the GT3. Absolutely. You know, there have been so many people, by the way, interested. And I, I want to bring our guest in. We're going to do that in one second. And then I'm going to, Will, I'm going to need a tissue. It's, uh, I'm jet lagged and I'm a little uh, allergic. I'm, I'm reacquainting myself. But um, a, lot of, a lot of people keep writing, writing me, and I'm sorry I don't answer everybody, but they want to know how our system works. And it's, I feel like we've explained it pretty simply, right? We don't really get too bogged down in the specifics of it. I, 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 you know what I mean? Right. I don't know what I want to really say more about it other than you and I are very good friends and it's, we're not really crazy about keeping track of everything. And, and you know. That's it. You don't, that's you, it. You don't, <laughs> you're not overly sensitive about it. Use it when you want to. Don't when you don't. Who cares? Yeah, and I think you have to be someone like us who's owned a lot of stuff over many years just to, to just have the right amount of a cavalier attitude about the whole the, thing. The thing that is the most important is that we're equally careful. Mm-hmm. And we both really care for the car. Yes. So if somebody got in the car with dog shit on their feet and fucked it up or, or broke something and didn't fix it or didn't notice, that would be a problem. Be a problem. But the amount of time you keep it or drive it versus me, I don't care because you always return the car but, nicer or But better. you did make an accusation towards me that was a false accusation. Well, probably In the purpose. silver car. Remember? I know. You, about my creepy kids and what they left in, your, in the car? Yeah, they did. That's not our flashlight. <laughs> okay, so whose flashlight? <laughs> okay, I'm just telling you, you said my kids left a flashlight and a bottle of water in there. Okay, first of all, I can tell you it's not me because I don't let my kids bring water into the car. It and was secondly, a little teeny Nestle bottle of water that a kid would have. I understand that, and this is the mysterious part of what's going on here. I We do have small flashlights. They're little black ones, and this was this titanium silver one, which now is in the possession of James, my 8-year-old, but it it wasn't ours. It's a complete mystery to me how that got in so there. So some other some other child's water and flashlight got in the car. I have a theory. Are you ready? Here it comes. The radio install guy did it. You're right. <laughs> right? You are so right. <laughs> that about is my that. theory. He was laying down back there and doing stuff, and I bet you that was his he had his little wires, and I bet you that's his flashlight. What was his name? Uh he had, a, he had a funny name. I can't remember. Yeah, and forgive me, but he uh, I've been hearing from a lot of friends of mine that he's telling people I, he does all my cars. Well, he did. He did one, and it, it is fantastic. Um, and I'll remember his name. I, like I guess Ramo. A little later. Yeah, but it, he uh, – isn't it great that we did that? I think that was his water. I think that was his flashlight. And you know what? He can leave it there. He, he did a great there. job on the uh, stereo system. And there's not a drive that goes by where I don't go, my God. I, I that... can't believe you're still thinking burning with the accusation, the false accusation I made. Eh, not really burning. I don't give a shit. Anyway, All right. let's bring in Todd Garner. Finding a dress shirt that fits is nearly impossible. Something is always off, you know. And I, I, I know this problem intimately. None of my shirts fit right. Be it the collar, the sleeves, you pull your arms up, it gets frumpy on one side, it never looks right, it's too tight, it's too loose, it's madness. And I see this. I'm on TV occasionally and I see my shirts don't fit right. Well, guess what? Thankfully, ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier with proper cloth. At propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds by answering 10 simple questions. I did this, ladies and gentlemen. I knew the answer to seven of the 10 questions. And they asked me some pointed questions back very quickly. 
They sent me two shirts. They were perfectly sized. And I only knew ten. Seven of the ten questions. I'm so impressed with Proper Cloth. At Proper Cloth, you can choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles. From classic to business to casual to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want. The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world and only buys fabrics that meet their high quality expectations. No more cheap bargain store shirts you can wear only once or twice. Each one of their shirts goes through an extensive quality control testing so you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. I showed it to Erica, my wife. She went, oh, I love that shirt. And I told her it was Proper Cloth. Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning that if somehow your dress shirt doesn't fit perfectly, they will remake it for free. The whole process is risk-free. This is the future of shirts, my friends. These shirts are made completely custom for you, starting at only $80. So guys, stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom-fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com backslash spike today. Enter gift code spike. That's right. I'm the gift code to save $20 on your first shirt. That's propercloth.com backslash spike and enter gift code spike to save $20 on your first shirt. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Well, here he is, Todd Garner. His new show is The Producer's Guide. Um, you're going to hear, you've only been doing this for a little while, right? Yeah, no, just total neophyte at this. And and, and you were in the studio right before us. Who was that? That was uh, one of the Wayans, Wayans brothers, yeah. Marlon Wayans. Yeah. You've also had Adam Sandler, Rebel, Rebel Wilson, Rob Riggle. Wow. These I'm are big names. Exhausting. I'm exhausted by the yeah. whole process of just booking yeah. these booking these, <laughs> booking these, these acts. Well, congratulations <laughs> on you. the show. What you were, now, you were just saying that, have we met when you were like, at Disney, that I was on all of these lists to do what? Direct. To, to write movies? Yeah. Well, well what Well, happened? you know what? It's not just also writing movies. It's <laughs> anybody who can write jokes, who, right. knows, who knows how to be funny. We're always looking for that. Well, but, but why didn't you ever call? Probably because you were probably really busy. Yeah. And you were making a shit ton of money on, on in television. So this would be in the 90s. Take, yeah, you didn't need to take a, you didn't take a downturn to movies. <laughs> yeah, Zuckerman, you money. see that? No, I did. I did uh, for a short time think about it. But back then I was such an insecure writer that um, I remember Steven Spielberg called up and said, would you come in after Seinfeld? Would you come in and pitch me some movies? And, you know, that ruined my month. Oh, no, that's, that's insane. That ruined my month. And I went in there and his, uh, <laughs> one of my good friends was his assistant. And, and she said, you know, when he, when he starts going, uh-huh, uh-huh, like that, uh-huh, that means shut up. He, he he gets it. Oh God! So she gave me these little oh, cues on how to do stuff, and he was interested in doing two ideas, but I didn't have, I just didn't have the chemistry to to follow through on it the right way. I was a very insecure guy who didn't really have a lot of writing experience, even though I had written on this great big show called Seinfeld. Right. It was my first job in scripted, oh, so God. you know I'd go home. It's like it's like yeah, you know what I, I was. Go, I started um, for the Patriots. It was like it came out of the game. <laughs> we're, we're back to imposter syndrome. Yeah, I no. don't belong here. Well, yeah. well, none of us feel like we belong right. here. Are you kidding That's me? Every point. day, every day I walk out of the house and like this is it. This but is that it. this is the day oh, they figure that. it out. You got the monkey mind oh, too. Sure, of course. Yeah. Oh, and we all do. So where did you start at Disney? Where did you start your career off? Well, my career I started as an editor. So as an editor oh, for wow. four years independently, did a bunch of editing, music videos, and things like that. Then I thought, um, uh, that's no way to become a producer. So I thought the way to become a – I always wanted to do this. And I thought the way to become a producer is to have some banking experience. So I have a degree in economics. So I went to work for Wells Fargo Bank thinking I would go to business school and come out of business school and be a producer. 
And then, uh, and then that that never happened. What happened was I happened to uh, my dad happened to be talking to somebody, and I got a job at Paramount Pictures in finance in television. And then I was on the lot, and then I became an assistant, mm-hmm. and then I went to Disney, and I there was at Disney go. for ten years. I started off as a creative executive <clears throat> and ended up being the president with Nina Jacobson and that. Wow! Yes, yeah. accidental wow. success. We love. <laughs> sure, it. this is what. We oh like. yeah. So <laughs> my, I, I, I tell the story that every job I took from being an editor. It was like every it was it was like comical because every job I took was like a massive pay cut until I became an assistant and I was making it at the time working at Sony Pictures as an assistant making four hundred gross a week dollars uh-huh. and my and I was like even then it was dog shit I was like oh god and I was like well that's it I mean that's pretty much the bottom right. so my dad was flipping out because he he didn't understand this business I I might I have nobody in my family that was in the business so everybody thought this is what did we get a college degree for so that every job you can take you can make less money so what 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 the, what are the movies that you're like are you a creative producer yeah. or were you you're just all of it I don't so know about, uh, yeah. what, what are the things you're most proud of at that time that you were working on well you... I'm you know like I'm I, it's hard to say it's like which of your kids are the best looking I love all the movies I've worked on and for better or for worse but I mean just in terms of the sheer fun and ones that I just love. I loved working on Con Air. I love uh-huh. working on The Water Boy because my my yeah. friendship with Adam Sandler began there. So each one has its own. I loved <clears throat> working on Pearl Harbor. It was a movie that I wanted to make for a, a long time. You've made every movie you, you've just mentioned is my my two boys my my fa- their favorite movies. I'm oh, also I'm looking at I'm, I'm looking at Paul Blart. I'm Mall big Cop. with te- I'm big with Teen Boys. <laughs> Con Air so, must have been insane. Oh, Con with Air those. was so much fun. Really? Oh my God! The Empire Magazine just did a twenty. Five year is that what it retrospective, is? yeah, and uh, and I know <laughs> is that is it what that was? maybe it was oh twenty, and it's either twenty or twenty five. Will there be a retrospective of Paul Blart? Oh my god, probably not. <laughs> but there was there was so many fun stories. The making of that movie because it was Bruckheimer's first movie mm-hmm. solo because Don had died uh, when we when I, I when they were editing The Rock, and so it was his movie first movie solo. We were in Utah. With all those crazy actors. And, and also, was Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, is that who was in comedy? No, it was Nicolas Cage and, um, and uh, uh, well, a lot of people. But it was John Malkovich played the bad right. guy. Oh, God. John Cusack <clears throat> was in mm-hmm. it. And Steve then you Buscemi. had a, bunch of, a lot of... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was so many good, so many good actors in the movie. And it was, it was just so much fun because we were making a comedy. And Jerry, you know, he Jerry has humor in his movie. But this movie was... J.J. Abrams wrote on it. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a comedy. Wow. You know, put the bunny back in the box, et cetera. And so it was just amazing to be out there. We were in Windover, Nevada, in the Bonneville Salt Flats, which is where that whole incursion took. And it was just a bunch of young people just out there. It was so much fun. Isn't that amazing? But, you know, and, and Blart is a, is a movie, because that was my first movie with Kevin James. Then right. I made a lot of movies with Kevin. So there's been a, you know, I love 13 going on 30. I still get that all the time from a lot of different people. And then I made a bunch of movies for my kids. I made Daddy Daycare. and There's know, another one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no. Yeah. So it, it's been it's been it's been fun. Blart is you know we all made fun of Blart when it came out, of course. And then when you watch it with your kids, you go, "This is a masterpiece." This well, is, that's <laughs> your kids are laughing their asses yeah. off. That brings joy to your life, of course. And now you're like, well. You guys are geniuses. Well, I talk about. I, 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 you know, I'm, not, I'm not joking. No. Genius. I talk a lot about this on my. And, and how many were there? There were two blarts. Two. Or well, I talk about this a lot on my podcast, which is you know I'm very much maligned a lot of times for the movies that I make and critically, and I, I I used Blart and Daddy Daycare specifically as an example of movies that are made, and when you are throwing it out into the zeitgeist of like you know, <laughs> like. 
Dunkirk. Right. Right. And the, and the critics are looking at these two movies. They're like, you're an asshole. You know, you make shitty movies. What the, what the hell are you doing? And so, but I say this, when you're in a theater with 450 kids and they're just laughing their yeah. asses off, there's nothing better. You hit a home run. Yeah, it's so much fun. And and I got to say, my, my daughter, who's 10, and my son is 17, so my son, I made a lot of these movies for my son because when he was... Four years old, I made Daddy Daycare. When he was, you know, in, in early, you know, early adolescence, I made Blart. And so I would watch him react to those, and it really made it made me happy. And what's funny is, a couple of days ago, my daughter, I was walking her to the bus, and as we almost got to the bus, she said, "Daddy, you got to meet the bus driver. He's a, loves all your movies." And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm now a hero to my daughter with the bus driver." So like, yeah, my career is those made. are great. Yeah. Those are great this, moments. This reminds me of a story that Lucas Forster told me about. Frank Yablons and, and Ira, and Frank was the was the concept had the consummate career in Hollywood and ended up where he ended up. But Ira had the schlock career and ended up with the yachts, the boats, the planes, <laughs> and everybody right. loving him. Exactly. Right? But Frank was a serious filmmaker, yeah. and, and no one came to the funeral. Well, I, I, and I'm not quoting Lucas right, but yeah. that's the, no, that's the no. Gist and of I, it. I got to say, it's it's I, I, the reason I do this for a living is I just I just want to make entertain people i'm sure right, when you were right. writing for seinfeld there's nothing better than just he- hearing that feedback of just making somebody's day you know just right just giving some somebody who's having a shitty day come home and be able to laugh is great yeah no i don't know i don't feel that way <laughs> <laughs> you definitely you definitely made a lot of people laugh my friend yeah no yeah not me larry and jerry but you know i would hear i'd be walking sometimes in new york and hear people talking about my episodes oh yeah and and quoting them and that always freaked me out i'd back up a little bit and and uh move away from them because i thought there's something wrong with them that they're talking about but TV didn't you like also that. write for dana and dennis miller and Michael yeah richards i mean you've yeah. written for some Beasts. For me, it's the deli- when we shoot it and when when I write it. I really like those moments. I think more than anything else. And then what happens after that? Is well, I did a little research on you. Didn't Dennis Miller say that you really got your start on SNL because you were feeding him lines and he was using them? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to say, to me, there's no more intelligent comedian than Dennis Miller. No, so that, the fact it was that you great. were sneaking shit in there is just beyond. Then it was actually seeing the joke on TV for me, just watching it and going, oh, oh, I wrote that. But that, that wore off uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> then it was in the deep insecurities. Then it was about just reading newspapers and writing down what I was thinking and having a place for it and having it resonate and ripple in there. How does it get out now? How does the creative thing get out now? Right, here we are. Oh, perfect. We're doing it right now. Right on. We're doing it right now. But I, but I don't um, I don't write we don't really get into the comedy scene too much. I'd like to get back and do something that's a little more topical. I've, I've always been a monologue writer and a weekend update writer, and, and uh, then I've done it myself. So you I, did stand up. I, I did. <clears throat> I'm mostly a television comedian. How about that? <laughs> I, I hosted a late night show, and yeah, that's where no, I like. I, I like that. a prompter. I don't have to worry about. Rem- I have trouble um, memorizing stuff, and I don't. I don't feel like going out of the house at ten o'clock at night to go do comedy every night right. till I get it memorized. I don't want to do that. I, I would rather read the newspaper and then write the jokes and say the jokes. You're perfect for late night then. Hey, here we go. All <laughs> they need. Whoever's looking for a 53-year-old guy <laughs> to run their late night crew will do that. When you go – let's get back to like making movies. You say you're making movies for your kids. What's the process <clears> – <throat> like, you know, daddy daycare. Right. How do you, it, it, Take us through that. How does that work? You want to make a movie for your son, Right. Well, I had a well, and, the, the, and 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 does the script just land in your lap? Yeah. Or are you going, hey, let's do a daycare story? And no, what on that one specifically? What happened is John Davis brought Joe Roth and I the script. I was the 
president of that studio at the time called the studio was called Revolution Studios and and uh, he brought me the script with Eddie attached okay and so and the director attached and, and then Fox was where John Davis had his deal he they didn't want to make it and you know, admittedly the script needed some work but we were a you know brand new company we needed to make movies to survive and so we said there's definitely an audience for this because I had come from Disney, so you know all those movies like Pacifier and Game Plan mm-hmm. and Snow Dogs, all those <clears> movies. Anytime you put a, at that time, anytime you put an adult uh, that you know that you kind of a, a father figure, Three Men and a Baby, for example, and you have kids undo them, it it always works because kids love to see you know grown men acting stupid because they all think mm-hmm. as fathers were morons, and so. When that script came, the idea of it really resonated with me. My son was in daycare, and you know, you know, and I'm a bit of a goofball anyway. So it wasn't that hard, hard of a leap for us. Then, then you just got to roll up your sleeves and do the work. So everybody dug in. We brought in new writers, and we just dug in that script. And then Eddie, <clears throat> at that point, said, "You know, I don't really want to carry this by myself." So then we added Steve Zahn's character and Jeffrey Garland's characters, and, Je- and Jeff. Nobody knew who he was. He was. I think he had just done a couple episodes of Curb. And Steve Zahn was just like the per- perfect physical comedian. So we gave Steve a lot of the stuff, like being stung by bees and all that stuff. <laughs> and Eddie was so yeah, happy. Eddie's like, go on out there, Steve. Go on, Steve. Go on out there. And I say one really, one really <laughs> funny moment is when Eddie walks the little <clears throat> boy into the door. At that moment, you're just watching that going, that's going to be in every trailer. And it became the $100 million joke. It just became the joke that was in every trailer. And then the movie went on. It was incredibly successful for us. All right, I have so many questions. We've got to take a break. The show is called The Producer's Guide with Todd Garner. We'll be right back. Fellas, important question for you. Do you feel like you've got a little less hair than you used to? Be honest with yourself. Look at Zuckerman. The more of you that run from the truth, the faster the truth will catch up to you. So here's the thing. There are two clinically proven medications that let you keep your hair, and now they're inexpensive and easy to get. Long story short, but the important thing is that you don't need to lose your hair if you don't want to. That's why we need to talk about Keeps. For a few minutes now and just a dollar a day, you'll never have to worry about your hair loss again. Our producer, Will, went through the sign-up process, and he tells me, I'm looking at him right now, he said, quick and easy. He's got a beautiful head of hair. (laughs) Not sure why he signed up for it, but I'm sure it's going to be even more beautiful now. Preventative measures. Oh, preventative measures. Just enter some personal details and your address so they know where to send the product. Answer only a handful of simple, straightforward questions and submit three photos of your head to the doctor to look at and you're done. It was easy, right? Very easy. It took him less than five minutes and now he's on his way to glorious hair like Clark Kent. Unlike Zuckerman, who has accepted his keratin calamity and looks like Lex Luthor. If you could reverse your hair loss and all it costs you was five minutes and a buck a day, why aren't you already on it? Keeps is only 10 to $35 a month, plus now you can get your first month free. One hell of a deal for getting to keep your hair. There's no reason to put this off any longer. Stop hair loss today the easy way with Keeps. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash spike. That's my name. That's keeps.com slash spike. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash spike. Keeps. Hair today. Hair tomorrow. If you want to help my podcast stay free to download with minimal ads, then take the Podcast One listener survey. I know, surveys, I get it, but it really would help me out. Responses will help align the appropriate advertisers to my audience. The survey is short and completely anonymous, and it takes no more than five minutes. There are two easy ways to take the survey. Go to podcastone.com backslash my survey, 
or podcastone.com and click the survey banner. If you filled out the survey banner in the past, we thank you, but we need a new one. That's how many shows we've made. We need another survey. You do me, Spikes Car Radio, and the podcast won a huge favor by filling it out. Thank you for supporting my program and for taking the time to complete the survey and vote Zuckerman off the island. You know, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. All right, we're back with Todd Garner, the producer's guide, the real Zuckerman. We're talking about movies. We talked about cars in the beginning, so give me a break. I want to I want to indulge my entertainment bones here. Let's um is is the movie business viable these days? Because yeah. let, let me ask you, I, I find um, I'm watching Netflix now, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'll watch one of their new series and then a, a movie will come up on there and I go, I, I don't want to watch a movie. It's only an hour and, and 38 minutes. <laughs> I need 9 hours I need if I'm going to invest my hours time. Yeah. of entertainment. Right. And I, you know, I, this is realization was just last week, and then I started thinking: is is that are these series going to hurt the movie business? Well, it's a comp, it's a more complicated answer uh, than just is it viable anymore? Yes, I believe it's viable. I believe that the two hour movie going experience is, you know, it's been proven psychologically. It's the perfect amount of time to get lost in a story, you know. And so, I love binging too. You what know, is I'm, the perfect time? And they've said somewhere between ninety and one hundred and twenty minutes is the okay. kind of the, which is why movies then, are that long. Then why would you know? And I'm not going to mention this director. Why are his comedies two hours and twenty minutes <laughs> and two hours and forty? Because well, I point, do feel a little upset when I see that running time. At some point, <laughs> if you're enjoying yourself, it can go longer. No, no, it can't. Not ego. Somebody's ego, right? <laughs> and I and I love them, and I love the films, but I just want them to edit. That's uh, all. Well, I mean, those kind of comedies also, I think I know who you're talking about, those kind of comedies also are so verbose. I mean, there's so much going on in terms of the talking and the yeah. improving that no, he wants to it. give everybody their due. But I will say it, it's complicated because the, obviously the distribution model has changed a lot. And um, and in terms of, like, the theatrical going experience, there's a lot of competition because you have these giant movies coming out every week that mm-hmm. people want to see and have that experience. But I do believe – with Netflix and all the other streamers and now Hulu and the way Disney is is organizing their streaming service. And I, I, I think that everybody will start to follow suit. I think that movies will never go away, but I just believe that people will enjoy them in a different way than having to go to the theater right. and then waiting six weeks before you can see it. So is the way. theater dead? Do you think the theater no. experience is going to die? I think it's the opposite. Now, I think it's actually the opposite. I think that it, uh, once we get to a place where distribution has figured itself out, whether that be zero windows, so everything's day and date, and I, I've said this before, and um, is, is that I believe it's like sports. So you know, I'm from LA, and so in in you know in the Coliseum in the, here in LA, which still's here, it's 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 cement seats, and you had hot dogs, and you had you know Coke. That was mm-hmm. it, and your beer. And if you didn't like it, don't go, don't come. Mm-hmm. And now with the NFL, because the NFL has really figured out distribution better than anybody in terms of you know all the ways you can enjoy a game and and all the different things surrounding it. 
the business has exploded so much, you have these amazing, amazing stadium experiences. And I think that theaters are starting to follow suit. You can go and you have reclined mm-hmm. seats and you have drinks and you can have dinner. So I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think it's just going to shrink down to its natural, you know. That's funny. But that they, they, they had that, ex- that experience was at the beginning in the 20s, yeah. right? Well, and then they went because it got so easy. They went, well, screw it. Then you're going to be in New York and you're going to have plastic seats and m- probably will be sticky. And you maybe get a Coke. And so what? You, you're going to come, so we're not going to try. And 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 as the as their you know people have competed with television, mm-hmm. and gaming, and all this other stuff, they've had to step up their games, and they're you know they're doing fine. And I but I don't and I think it's hard, and you know, nobody likes change, no business likes change, and and they're going to have to adjust quickly, which they don't. Nobody likes to do. And so I just think once that once that kind of settles out, and Netflix you know is already bigger than Disney now. So home video clearly is not going away. I think it'll just shift. And for a creative person like myself, I've made three movies at Disney, uh, Netflix. So mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. You mm-hmm. know? And I think it's – in fact, we're talking about Marlon Wayans. I made him – my last one was with Marlon. And so I love uh, working for them. I think it's great. And so I'm, I'm excited to try you know, all kinds of different things. Is it, a, is it a faster turnaround when you're making a movie for Netflix? <laughs> I, I mean, you know what I mean. You know, with the yeah. movie business, it seems you're flying all over the place and testing your movie and yeah. waiting and editing and, and yeah, they they the the actual physical development and making of the movie and editing of the movie is not uh, is not uh, shorter because it just takes that much time to do it. Right. But definitely, the window of once you're done editing to the thing comes out, they promote the hell out of their stuff, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. Uh, because you're not so uh, dependent on that opening weekend, right. so you're not like grinding uh, up to that o- opening. Because they they all it's apples to apples with them. They can get they can get the word out on their s- mm-hmm. site, and you can you can watch it. Like you'll see a trailer for something that's coming up a week before, and you're like, click. Let me let, let me ask you a question. Somebody offered me a copy of Deadpool two. They said, "You want to watch this? <laughs> how are how did how are these people getting these copies of movie? By the way, didn't take it. They said, "I don't, I don't want to get arrested." Well, I mean, it's but, also. <laughs> I mean, that's such but, a but, small. It's really a small. But where, where is it? Are 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 the edit rooms getting hacked? Is that where they're getting copies of kind, these films? There's or? a million different ways. So yes, there are editors that there's you know all through the process, whether it's the color timers. Or whatever there's there's some there's are are there are people at places that will give up digital copies for piracy. Is that is that how the cut is getting from edit room from place to place sometimes, for color correction? Is it, is it on a, the internet? Sometimes they're just bringing a phone to the theater. We caught in anger management. We caught a guy at our preview. Right. Uh, it was a pretty famous case. We caught a guy at our preview um, uh, videoing the preview. That was of a Seinfeld right? episode. Yeah, that right? was one that I wrote. Yeah, right. yeah, I know. And the we busted. Right. And we busted the guy right in the theater. It was it was wild. <clears throat> it means like yeah, not normal, where you have do. like police come in and take a guy out. But he <laughs> he went to jail. I mean, so he did. Right. Yeah. And, and then what it, what it exposed was a huge problem. But now right. when we do previews, we have cameras and look at the end of the day piracy so it's so it really is piracy from a yeah, camcorder sometimes. that's still going on piracy goes on but at the at the end of the day it's that's why i also think shrinking the windows is such a good idea just give it to everybody when they want it let them pay what you, right. you know it's like amazon right. let them pay what they're going to pay right. and get it out there yeah. and and the theater <clears throat> people still go to the theaters you know for dates and going out and having that communal experience whether it's a comedy or or a horror movie or one of these big Marvel movies, you want to go out and you want to enjoy it in a the theater. And then, but if you don't, then you should be able to. But it not. seems like it's always one of the blockbusters. These these movies that are routinely now making a billion dollars worldwide. Yeah. Well, right? Yeah, but then every once in a while, you know, a Get Out will sneak in or, or a right. Quiet Place will sneak in Boy, or get Split out. will sneak in or, or all of a sudden a Hangover will, will, will pop. Right. 
It's it does it there it is the have and the have nots right now. If you're gonna do, you have so much competition for your entertainment dollar that you you better have the goods. If you don't, then you're gonna be in real trouble. So what what is working in film right now? Is it the big blockbusters? Yeah. Are the comedy working? Are these smaller films working? I mean, wh- where is the money right now? In the money is in Marvel and and right. you know because because what now what, I had read before you continue there I had read that Sony. Or someone told me this. Maybe it's not true. Sony had a chance to buy Marvel's complete library. Everybody for, did for twenty five million. Thirty million said, dollars. Everybody. And they said, "You know what? We want Spider Man. That's it. No Black, Black Panther, please." Lots no. of people can hang themselves over these decisions. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Ben Fritz, who wrote the book right. that you're talking about, which mm-hmm. is uh, called The Big Picture, he he was on my podcast. He was a, a, a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. He goes through exactly what what you're talking about, which is the rise of Marvel and the and the the depletion of the quote unquote movie star system. And so, Marvel, the reason why those movies are doing so well, first of all, they're incredibly well made, um, and uh, and so you have to give it to them on that because if they weren't, people wouldn't come. Mm-hmm. But they're also building on each other, and they're different enough in terms of the tone and the filmmaker that. It's exciting for people to come because they have a vested interest and a feeling that they understand the backstory of the characters. They feel they know them. It's almost like a TV show. In that yeah. Way. And so somebody did say it's the <clears> longest <throat> running TV series that, you know in, in history because it's got so many hours already. Mm-hmm. But each one builds on the next one, and then Black Panther will be in you know Avengers, and you know and uh, you know Iron Man will be in Spider Man. So it's like. It, they're building on each other, which you don't have generally in other movies. No. Other movies are one-offs. You can't. You come. You for two hours, and then you're out. So that's great. Star Wars is is the that universe is attempting to do that, and of course DC is attempting to do that. So those are very popular because you're you're part of the communal experience. You're, you're having a, a kind of worldwide conversation about this, you know, this thing in the zeitgeist. Is right. there a person that gave birth to this? Is there one genius? Kevin yeah, yeah, he's a genius. I mean, he, the guy who you know, I've never heard this name before. He's who the, is this? He's the he's the CEO of Marvel, and he's the he's the he's the guy who has really been. He, he was an uh, I believe he was an intern there, and he was a reader there. <laughs> and he's so that. deeply knowledgeable about this comic book universe in such a visceral way. Wow, the, he he's the bag boy who took over the supermarket. Yeah, business, I mean, huh? and he's and he deserves all the credit because he has completely guided this thing. From the beginnings, and even so much of saying we got to get Spider-Man back, and and we you know let's mm-hmm. not sell, let's do it ourselves. All all, all I want to do, I'm going to pitch him. I'm going to find him. I'm going to pitch him this idea sure. because all of these movies, it, they seem like they have to save the world in every single movie, <laughs> every week. The world. I want to do a family who's living in that city where the world is saved every week. <laughs> well, <laughs> it falls apart, and they're just trying to go to work. Mom's a nurse, dad's a salesman. Simpsons all over again. <laughs> but I will say, and, that, oh, uh, this again. Well, that's what's the so- world, and we got to. Aliens this time? All right. Well, just wait a minute. It'll be saved. Okay, everything's fine. But I will say they do that. I mean, they every <laughs> they do have consequences. Like there are movies in the, in the series where they're getting sued because a building fell right. on a right. family. Right. Right. The whole Jessica Jones thing. She's right. living in that city that got destroyed. And well, hates now Netflix the Avengers. is doing a bunch of those. Too, yeah. Right? So they're very conscious of that. You know, uh, and, and now we have comedy. We have Deadpool. We uh-huh. have Guardians of the uh-huh. Galaxy, which are really fun. Deadpool is is probably one of, one of my favorite Me superhero too. movies ever. Just the have writing is the so sharp. One? It's so funny. What I loved about the first one, though, I'll tell you, is when I watched it, I don't even ask my wife. I don't even invite her in to watch movies like this because I assume <laughs> she's not. 
she, I, I'm watching Deadpool again at home, and she walks by, and I, she stands behind me on the couch. She goes, what, what is this? And she's laughing at lines I never thought she would laugh That's at. so great. And I said, this it is Deadpool, and I can't believe that you're – and she sat down and watched the rest of the movie with me, and I was stunned. It's Ryan two of my Reynolds. favorite comedies. Deadpool 1 and Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2 are two of my favorite comedies. It's, they're amazing. They're so funny and so well-written and so smart. And he's great, and he's and I I'm always a fan when somebody completely finds their voice. Yeah, yeah. And their voice no matches kidding. perfectly. It's so good. I'm gonna get that bootleg then and watch this. So <laughs> you just talk me into it. What and when does this idea sunset? Like McDonald's sunsets, right? Like, right. There's, what's the next idea? When does this get stale? Well, what we comes I next? thought we were talking about Star Wars lag this past weekend with the Han Solo movie. Right. Yeah, you know that that there's been a little too much. I, I don't think. I don't believe that's the case necessarily. I don't think too much is the problem. It's it, it's when things – and I'm not suggesting – I haven't seen Solo, so I can't comment on it. But it's I think things go away when things feel stale and, <clears throat> and things feel that you know repetitive. And so far, Marvel has not done that. So right. they, they have not – they have missed. But – They've been able to, you know, Deadpool's a comedy. It's an R-rated comedy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Black Panther is, is a, you know, a kind of complete world that you've never seen before and completely diverse and cha- turns the thing on its head. And Avengers, the last one, put everyone in the Marvel Universe together. You've never seen that. So if, if you can keep, and I believe he can because I believe this guy really is like, he already knows. And there's such a deep bench for these comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you know, literally 100 years or 70 years of these comics that they can, they minutely go in, and there's interesting stories and interesting ways to go, and I think that they can keep it going. Who Probably, haven't? Who haven't they done that they should do? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't. I don't have. There's that so many European them. comics too. There's a whole <laughs> no. the Blamange. or Dylan Dog. <laughs> Dylan Dog was a comic I read in the '90s. Dylan, but, I think Deputy Dog. You're talking. No, about. No, no. There was no? Dylan Dog, which was a very violent. Tennessee European. Tuxedo. Is that? Well, this is. <laughs> and what is Tennessee Tuxedo? <laughs> it's a cartoon. No, but what is he? He's a penguin. <laughs> yeah. Who is Dylan Dog? This was uh, these were European comics that were very dark ahead of uh, their time. Lots really? of violence, lots of murder and slashing. There's a, there's all sorts of universes of comics that nobody's seen. And well, who has those? Well, why don't we? Your, why that's don't we your business. Hey, I'm just a personal injury lawyer. I'm just an ambulance chaser. I, I will say. I will say that <laughs> the difference between Star Wars and Marvel is Star Wars. The the problem Star Wars has is. They always have lightsabers. They always have kind of. Uh, it always has like the same kind of characters. That the universe feels very. It's a closed system. It, closed system. Whereas Marvel has been able to do a comedy and a, you know an, uh, right, an action movie right, and, yeah. a, and a darker action movie in a science fiction movie with IBM know, versus Apple. Yeah. Wow. So they've been able to do all these <clears> different things, and the universe can expand in all these different ways. Whereas Star Wars always is going to kind of feel like the first one. It it, it has this it has this tone. And this these limitations because of the technology around it that 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 it's going to be tougher for them I think. Wow. So if your son was going to go into Hollywood, what would you tell him to work on? Where would he go? Oh man. Well, I mean, there's so much opportunity right now. So if my son, it depends on what he wanted to do. I I, I, I write. I think you have to do what. Spike you think did. writing? You got to write. Oh, that's I, a hard I, life. 
But, oh my but God. writing will lead you to everything else. So like yeah. you want you. Well, I think editing leads you to. Wow, <laughs> if the grass is greener, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at the. Well, grass. Writers, you know, ed- editors stories. are able to put story together. But editors need somebody. I'm looking they, at yeah. a writer and an editor pointing at each other. Writers don't need anything but themselves and then and a computer and. That's what's horrifying. about absolutely hate it. But it's the greatest line ever. I like writing. I loved writing in a little group of people, like with Jerry and the Seinfeld writers. That. Is wonderful when you're sitting there with a bunch of funny guys. You're having a nice time, and women, and you're writing. You're writing something that you can yeah. uh, respect. If I was a writer, I would have to write with a partner. I couldn't write. Right. No, you have to. I right. Would, I would. There's no way I could do it. These days, when I'm by myself, it's awful. It's just awful. But it, that's I, where we look for cars, Zuckerman. That's right. where I'm. That's where Car Matchmaker came from. The whole show came from that moment of I don't want to do my writing today. I'm going to get on eBay Motors and look I for am, cars. I always laugh. You know, I, I take Lapeer as a little cut through when I go from like Beverly down to Wilshire, mm-hmm. and I always laugh. There's always like you know a thirty some odd year old guy. Paunchy outside smoking <laughs> at two in the afternoon. I always say, That's "Look at writer. that writer over oh, there! Look when, at the writer." When you link cigarette yeah. smoking to your writing, you are in big trouble. Yeah. Right? You're in big trouble. Yeah. Uh, I need an idea. I got to do. Let me light a cigarette. But this yeah, was the highlight of my day to, to see this. To see the editor <clears throat> say, "Be a writer," and the writer <laughs> say, "Be an editor." Editing is pretty scary. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd want to be an editor either. That that's that's a lot of dark rooms and sitting with something and over and over. But worst, uh, the worst part of it for me would be the person over my shoulder barking stupid things at me. Yeah, and it, having to keep my keep my shit together. It was right? a great learning experience, just in terms of how things go together, in terms of filmic mm-hmm. language, but. I, I, I but believe. what about the moron behind you giving you a dumb note? Uh, sometimes that... I've been the moron behind the person. <laughs> but I, but, I but believe... you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. My favorite editors are not only good at what they do, but they can keep their composure. Well, they come. I know. I've had some angry guys who would scream at you, and I have to fire them and get rid of them. But I was like, part of your job <laughs> is to let That's me. That's why they're all calm. It's a self-selecting. <laughs> Those guys get fired. The calm. If ones you can stay to... calm and listen to what I'm saying, and we can talk. Then, then it's cool. But I, I expect them not to freak out because you're the writer. So I go no, back I'm to. I go back to. Writing. I just mean it's you've. You've got to be, depending on what it is, a TV show or a movie, you've got to listen to the folks behind you. But at the same time, I've, I, I've sympathized with them when there's some moronic network executive saying something dumb. Hysterical. And then I'm like, yeah, go that, ahead that and let her have problem. it. Okay, let her let's, fucking say, have it. let's say he does not have that creative impulse. So he, don't, he can't write. Right. Let's say he can't write, but he still wants to do Hollywood. Then I would suggest um, – I would suggest going to work at an agency, probably, because then you get to see every part of it. Mm -hmm. You get to see actors and writers and directors and talent, and you can kind of, from that vantage point, really launch and figure out what you want to do. But in terms of, like, being a creative person, I think you have to learn structure and story, and you Mm -hmm. have to learn learn how to tell a story, Mm -hmm. however you do that. And 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 you didn't have that background. I didn't, but what I did do was I... Took a story class, and when I was an assistant, I really read everything I could possibly read and um, watched every movie I could get my hands on and learned that way. And I, and 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 giving notes, as you said, and working with the writers, I, I developed that skill over over a long period of time. But 
I, I could never write because I just couldn't be by myself. I couldn't just sit in the room. <laughs> Nothing would get done. I would just be like, I'm like this is nothing so does get done. I'm, you know, I'm more of a pack pack creature, so I like being in rooms where I could spitball ideas. Yeah, and give jo- and you know, give ideas that it's, other people can. It's implement. so important because yeah. that feedback of the room is what gives you the framework yep. to create this thing. And without it, you're kind of in. I but, find I'm in a vacuum. So yeah, here's like the funny thing I'm, I'm observing because I'm I'm an outsider of this whole creative Hollywood thing. Both of you guys got in as outsiders then, oh, yeah. and accidentally. Sure. You both bring an outsider's mm-hmm. eye to what, writing or to uh, producing. Is that the, is that in the secret? You get well, into- we're both fans. We yeah. watched a lot of this stuff and thought, well, I can do that. What movies <laughs> influenced you the most? Oh, my God. I know. That's a really it's long fun, list. That, give me the I mean, top, it, start, give me it starts the with five. my dad's favorite movies, like The Godfather really? and Goodfellas, and then all the comedies, the, the, the Caddyshacks, oh, and all the yes. Mel Brooks. And, Arthur. You know, I had a father who did a lot of stuff that was wrong, but the one right thing he did <laughs> is he would wake me up and go, there's a show called Saturday Night Live, you should watch this. Yeah. And I'd be six, going, what is this? Yeah. And laughing, and, and you've got to watch this, uh, you got to watch this uh, uh, Duck Soup. You got to watch the Marx wow, Brothers, and you got to watch uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy, and yes. every Ernie Kovacs. Yes. You know, watch this. This is a sketch called the the Seven Steps of a Woman Zelming Her PV. and I'd right. go, "What?" And it's just this abstract, insane sketch. But that was my. He wanted. He was a frustrated comedian. He was a so salesman who never you, did anything in entertainment. To do sketch because it's all sketch. But he didn't know any. I mean, we, none of us was. did. We grew up in Massachusetts. We didn't know anybody in entertainment. We were just fans of this stuff. But I look back now and go, that was my education, was hooking so into great. all of this stuff very early on. And, yeah. and you know, George Carlin albums and Steve Martin albums and going, you know, Richard Pryor. And here's what's great about him. And, so you know, I had no idea that's where yeah, my funny, education I loved, was I beginning. loved all that stuff, but it never occurred to me that I could do that. Really? Yeah. Now, now I always thought that that was like some other breed of, of people. Well, that's where Saturday Night Live, bringing this back to Dennis Miller, comes in because I saw someone handing him jokes, going, "This is this is all they're doing." But you <laughs> had a couple it, lines it down. Amazing. I'm going to do that, and that's the moment. But it you, connects and but it goes you, on. But really, the truth is, is that you were sitting, you're bartending in Boston, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, you're scheming how to get this job. Right. right. And it was accidental. Right? But it wasn't was a, a writing job. I didn't know there were no, writers. It was, it was, I just want to be close to David right. Letterman's show. It's the only thing I'm watching and, on television. And you got somebody who got you a job answering phones there. Yeah. Right. Uh, hostess. <laughs> well, you have to. You, but you have to. You, in Boston. Right. You've got to constantly ask, too. Right. You have to be. You have to put it out. In, yes. In, that's right. You have to put that's it out right. there. Like, my dad worked at the Southern California Gas Company and played. he plays golf at Lakeside Golf Club here in Toluca Lake. And he... One guy goes, oh, yeah, I work for, um, you know, Paramount. Uh, well, first of all, he got me an internship because a guy worked at Pacific Bell. And he goes, we, we, make, <laughs> we make these corporate videos. And my dad goes, good, my son makes videos. Like, my dad was so frightened that I was wow. going to be homeless that he <laughs> he would listen and somebody would go, "I'm uh, anything in the business. He'd be like, you should hire my son. And it just worked <laughs> out. But, but uh, because it, so someone, had to, someone had to put it out there because if – if he wouldn't have said anything or you wouldn't have asked right, the hostess right. or whatever, you never would have had the serendipity. Oh, those little moments. Yeah. Always. Those little tiny, tiny moments that have Make such big ramifications. It's so insane. It's scary when you think about them. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, tell us just before we go uh, about the, the podcast, the producer's guide. What are we going to hear on the producer's guide? Well, it's the, a lot of this. So I, I started this thing because I wanted to give people hope. There's so much negativity. <laughs> Honestly, there's so much negativity in the press, wow. especially now with all, all the stuff that's going on in Hollywood. 
And there was so much negativity about the business of, of, of the movie making. And I, I don't want people to get I Like you said, you didn't think you could do it. I don't want people to feel like that. I want people to feel like they can do it. it it's doable. And so if somebody's at home watching a movie and they're inspired, if they watch Deadpool 2, Jesus, I can't talk. Deadpool <laughs> 2, wherever it is, and they watch it and go, man, I'd love to do that. I just want to give people an inside look on you can do it. Here's how all these people did it. Rebel Wilson was living in Australia, couldn't be, literally couldn't be further from, from Hollywood, and nobody would cast her. And she wrote herself a show and rented a theater and did it herself. I mean, that, that, that comes wow. up time and time and time again of people just saying, <clears throat> I just did it. I just did it myself because nobody right. would give me a chance. Right. And so, or I was talking to a hostess and she happened to know a guy who knew a guy or my dad, you know, happened to talk to one person and then you're off to the races. And I just want people to feel inspired and not listen to the rhetoric of the press, which is the movie business is over. There's only making Marvel movies. Don't even try. So it's, so are you talking about origin stories like with yep. Marlon Wayans today? Absolutely. That's, Everybody. It's how it, how it happened, how it started. It's very deep dive into just producing. I'm not trying to get, you know, scandalous things out of people or gossip. I just want to know how did you do it? How did you go from being a you know girl in Australia to now being a, not only a, a huge actress but you're producing your own right, TV show? Right, right. Or Marlon, how did you know? Obviously, he was Keenan's brother, right? But he said, you know, at the end of it, he says, you know, that's a that wasn't the best thing for no, me because I had a, had a huge spotlight on me. Or you know, Neil Moritz, how did he get started? Or Mike DeLuca, another big producer. So. I'm just trying to take, take – or Ben Fritz. All we do with Ben Fritz and the Wall Street Journal is talk about exactly that distribution. What would happen if we shrank the windows to zero? What would happen? So I'm, I'm just looking at the business from a, from a kind of how-to perspective to give people hope that they can mm. do it. Mm-hmm. Sharing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah giving it go. away. It's, it's, it's tried but true. Yeah. And – like this, this is fun for me. I'm learning a ton yeah. as I talk to different people right. about my own business and my and and that my my story is not that unique. You know, it's, it might be unique in the details, but not unique in terms of how I felt. Yeah, and you're how providing we did. a very valuable perspective because you know people in Hollywood are stereotyped all the time yeah. these days, and and it's not yeah. accurate, especially now. It's, it's I especially mean, now. When, most people when most you people type like, when you Google producer right yeah. now, it's probably Harvey Weinstein and handcuffs, which is <laughs> right. not not what we're about. But we're, I just mean Holly, I, ho, you Hollywood people. Yeah, you Hollywood. So people. few people are actually from Hollywood right. in well, Los. You're one of the few. I'm I'm from Massachusetts. And, I'm wait, first, first of all, I'm from San Fernando. <laughs> I'm right, not from and Hollywood. And I'm, his father works for the gas company. Exactly. That's right. what wakes me up because I figured I'm yeah. a kid from Long Island. You were born into it. No, you weren't. By the no, way, no. you're from the comedy ground zero. You know how many comics are from Long Island? The fact that yeah. you didn't stumble into a comedy store he did. with your accent and your he's, look he's and go, right. into this I can room. do that. I, I, was stumbled, say. I stumbled sideways. But yes. yeah. Man, um, you're, you were at, you were ground zero of comedy. And you too, by the way, in Boston. Well, yes. The, the people of Massachusetts are very Lampoon. funny. Yes, per per square funny. inch, per uh, per mile, per yes. square mile. Lots of funny, funny people. My yeah. friends were all funny. It was sick good. and but funny. I, That's Long Island. Sick and funny. Yeah, oh, yeah, Long Island yeah. for sure. Yeah. But then you come to the big city because you you realize there's something there for you, right? Yeah. But you're not from there. There was no such thing no. as Hollywood people or anything. No, but like you that. and I, if somebody said if they just saw us out and and they would <clears> never <throat> guess that we're Hollywood people. No, I don't look like a like you know a stereotypical producer. No. But I, I don't feel comfortable anywhere, so it doesn't matter. Villa Dest, <laughs> that's Hollywood, why you're funny. Massachusetts. That's, just, that's, that's why you're a car a guy. You just lock the doors and go fast. <laughs> right. All right. You've been listening to Todd Garner. The podcast is The Producer's Guide. It's one of the, uh, one of the top new 
podcast here. One of the trending podcasts <laughs> at Podcast One. Todd, thank you for coming thank on. You. Where can we catch up with you on social media? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter, uh, Todd underscore Garner. There you go. Zuckerman, are you even on social media? You're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. That's as, it. As you the real you taught me two years ago. <laughs> it was two and a half years ago. Well, I look forward to seeing that 88 uh, whatever you got, M3. <laughs> M3. <laughs> and driving it tonight. And I'm Spike First, and I'm, uh, I have most, most of the fun I have is on Instagram. So message me there, and I'll try to get back to you. Real quick before we go, here's some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage and you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range that's pretty weird right well here's another tip you also might not know about true car also helps people get used cars that's right true car isn't just for buying new cars with their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience whether you buy new or used and with true car users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before they buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. We'll see you next week on Spikes Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com.